Amen. You can have a seat. Good morning. Hope all is well with you. So um, last month, my dog ran away. And uh, don't worry, he's home now. I was like, no, be gone longer. No, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> so we had London. Now we have Rome. And um, Rome, okay, so it was like 9 p.m. My daughter gets home. She drives up. I had just put him out. And, um, and she comes around the corner, and she gets out, and she comes around the corner, and he sees her. He can't see who it is, and he gets spooked, and he just takes off around the corner. And I look at her, and she looks at me, and she's like, that was weird. I said, yeah. And so we call, and we call, and we call nothing. Usually comes immediately, because he knows who feeds him, <laughs> you know. And anyway, he wouldn't come. Much time has passed. It's the middle of winter, so, like, you know, I just let him out, so, like, I've got to put on a coat, maybe some boots, because he tore off to the backyard. There's no fence back there. There's lots of other backyards to run through. And um, anyway, uh, we call and we call and we call. We search and we search and we search, and nothing. N- n- you know, I'm, I'm a good investigator, I think. Um, and, and I followed the tracks, and, you know, eventually there was other tracks, and I was like, ah. And then I was cold, and I was like, ah, I'm going to do this in the car. Kids, you keep walking. I'm going to turn on the heat in the car. And, yeah, so I'm calling out anyway, and uh, an hour passes. This is now, now this is really weird. And I remember thinking to myself a couple of distinct things. I remember thinking, um, I hope he's not really far. Like, for all I know, he's, you know, hiding somewhere and not far away, but maybe he's really far. I mean, it's been a really long time. And then the second thought I had was, does he know the way home? I, mean, I thought this a number of times. Like, he's only a year old. Like, does he even know where his house is? I know he can smell and all that, but like, does he know how to get home? And what if he gets really far and then doesn't know how to get home? And I kept thinking that. So an hour passes. I call animal control. Bloomington was great. Anyway, another hour passes. And it's late. And now I'm thinking, he is not coming home. I'm still out. One of the kids is at home. The other is with me, and we get the phone call that we've been waiting for. No, it was my other son. And he's like, have you found him yet? And then five minutes later, we get the other call. He's home. He just came around the corner like nothing happened. I said, that little, no. (laughs) I said, thank you for telling me. I'm going to have a word with the dog when I get home, that sort of thing. Which I don't, didn't really, but, um, but here's the thing. He knew his way home. And, and I don't know what happened in, in between, and I'm still like perplexed about that. I, I still like, it bothers me actually. What was he doing? Did he fall in a hole? Was he just too afraid to come home and he wasn't that far away? Or maybe he was so far away, it took him two hours to get home. I don't know. I have no idea. He's a dog. But he knew his way home, didn't he? It's in John 14 that Jesus says this to his disciples. 
It's in John 14 that we've been going through in verses 1 through 7 where, where, where Jesus essentially shows them the route and, and the way. I want you to turn there with me. John 14, we're going to add on to what we started in in the first three verses. This week we're going to make it all through seven verses. Not quite entirely, but that's what we're going to look at. Let me just say as you're going there, John 14, 1 through 7. So last week as we kicked off this new sermon series entitled, His Heart, Our Home, we established a few things that are very important for everyone to know if you weren't here. Number one, this world is not our home. In fact, heaven is not our home. Jesus goes to prepare a place, but heaven is not the home. Our home is with the Father. It's in the presence of the Father Heaven is nothing without the presence of God. Our true home is with Him. And, and that means belonging and contentment are found in Jesus. And He is the point. And He is the reason for our existence. And this must inform the way we live and the way we, we, we live as a church body. And so that's what the sermon series is all about. Now continue in John 14. Again, I'll start at verse 1 just to catch everyone up. Let not your hearts... Be troubled, Jesus says, at the Passover celebration with his disciples in the upper room. Let not your hearts be troubled. Remember what we had talked about last week, that they were legitimately troubled for everything that they had become and everything in their lives was now tied to Jesus. And then he says, well, I'm going to leave. I'll read that for you. He says, let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go to prepare a place for you, I'll come again and I'll take you to myself that where I am, you may be also. And verse 4, and you know the way where I'm going. Ah, you know. Understand that what we read in John 14 is a continuation of a larger conversation. One that, that began in chapter 13. Jesus is saying to his disciples, yet a little while and I'm with you. You will seek me, but where I'm going you cannot come. To which Peter says, just as Thomas questions it, Peter says, Lord, where are you going? Jesus answered him, where I'm going you cannot follow me, but you will follow me afterwards. In other words, not now, not now. And Peter says, Lord, why can I not follow you now? I will, I will lay down my life for you, for you. As if to say, no, I get it, like you're going to die, because I think you've been alluding to that over and over again. Can I just die with you and go with you? And, and, and so he seems to kind of understand, and yet he's perplexed. That's totally understandable, just like the maze and the picture we were given in our children's sermon, right? But Jesus said, no, not now. And, and usually we have a problem with no, not now. <laughs> it's why we pray like, Lord, do this and do it now. <laughs> we don't say that, but we mean it, right? Or am I the only one? Okay. Uh, John 14, 5 through 7 then, where we are today, it says, Thomas says to him, Lord, we do not know where you're going. How can we know the way? Jesus says to him, I'm the way. I'm the way. That's as far as we're going to get today. <laughs> Remember the disciples believed that Jesus was to be the deliverer of Israel. That he had come to bring from God. He had come to bring them as he left home in heaven and come to bring them back to God. 
But they're thinking, uh, we live under oppression. We live under tyranny. Lord, Lord there's this need now. Your deliverance, it's, it's, it's going to deliver us from the, the enemy and, and the evil that we are facing today. And the answer to that is yes. And yet that was such a, 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 a narrow way of seeing what Jesus was going to do. Because if Jesus was the deliverer, he is the deliverer. And, and yet, what the disciples were seeing was the here and the now. Like, you're going to do it now, right? Here in this place. And what Jesus is saying, oh, I'm going to do so much more than that. And, and we get the benefit of reading it today, but, um, but this was a hard thing for the disciples to grasp, obviously. He was going to go to the cross. That's why they couldn't come with. He was going to bring upon himself the sins of the world. The spotless Lamb of God was going to go and sacrifice himself so that we could live. And he was going to die so that our sins could be conquered. He was going to bring them to hell and he was going to rise again so that we could live in victory. And he would accomplish this soon after, but then he would go back to the Father and establish our home with him in heaven. Yes, Jesus came to save and deliver, but so much more than just to deliver Israel from the tyranny they face, but to conquer death. Notice Jesus answers two different questions from Peter and Thomas with one answer. They ask, where are you going and how can we know the way? Jesus very deliberately says, I am. I am. Now, now a couple of things on this. Let's be fair. What the disciples are facing is perplexing. It, it, it is hard to comprehend in one sense. They're troubled for a reason. What Jesus is saying is, in one sense, complex. We have to acknowledge that. On the other hand, what Jesus is saying, too, is it's obvious. And, and he's saying that to us, too. It's obvious. What he's saying to the disciples is, the answer is standing before you. It's obvious. It's right in front of your face. I've already told you this. I've told you this many times. And yet, you keep asking questions. And I'm not saying he was exasperated. I'm not saying that. But he had. And, and so I look at this, and there's this like dichotomy. Like It is perplexing, and it is simple. It is before us. It is obvious, and yet it is kind of, I don't know, complicated. It's like a maze. It's like, it, it, it blows my mind. But isn't that true about all of God's revelation in God himself? That it is both. Let, let me put it this way. Uh, if you've been ever sitting in a Bible study or have been trained in the Word of God, there are moments when you just say, I can't even comprehend what is going on here. And then you kind of start to learn and you start to grow and you start to realize, man, I know very little and there's so much more to learn, right? You with me? You've experienced that? And so there are moments when you just go, I can hardly comprehend this, but it's amazing and I'm growing in it. And then there are times when you don't understand and you're like, God, I don't get it. And, and even if you told me in plain English, I wouldn't get it. There are those times too. And then even still, there are our kids. There's that childlike faith. We heard it in, in, in the children's sermon today. What's the answer? And one of them yells out, Jesus. And you're like, you're right. <laughs> you're so smart. 
It is. That's the answer. It's both perplexing and obvious. Let me say it this way. I think most of what God is doing, and I'm, I'm just a guy here, but most of what God is doing and willing and working is actually obvious. In fact, I believe without a shadow of a doubt that we know it in our hearts, that he has revealed it to us just as his word says. Although it's beyond our comprehension, although we can't understand it, and frankly, if we could understand it, then God is not God. If God is all-knowing and all-powerful and beyond what we can ever imagine, well then, of course it's going to be that way. So here's what I'm also saying. The obvious is obvious, and yet it gets clouded by our judgment, by our perceptions, by our busyness, by our pride, by our selfishness, and the things of this world. I mean, we tend to overlook it, or we even turn a blind eye to it. I mean, here Jesus is standing before his disciples and explaining it to them in plain English, and yet they just aren't getting it. Um, we are, we're so like the disciples, are we not? You thought that before ever? Like, boy, I'm, I'm a lot like that. I, I would probably have done the same thing. If you're not thinking that, I think you should think that, really. <laughs> um, take, for example, what, what Thomas is saying here. You have this guy, Thomas, who challenges everything. It, it, it's kind of as if he is saying under his breath, don't tell me how to live my life. He's the one who kind of recoils at instruction. You know, later on in the upper room after Jesus' resurrection, he says, I'm not going to believe it until I see the nail-scarred hands. That's Thomas. The answer is obvious, but I have to challenge it because I want to be in control. And if it doesn't seem like it makes sense to me, then it couldn't be true. And I'm not even saying that's bad. I think most of us do that with one thing or another. What I'm saying is, what I'm saying is, who are you placing your trust in? Who is Thomas placing his trust in? It could only be himself. Oh, Thomas would fit in in today's world. Oh, I mean, hey, trust yourself, man. You can only trust yourself, Thomas. And Thomas would be like, yep, I'm doing that, right? Yet that doesn't get Thomas any closer to peace in his heart. We see the same with Peter. Peter, who tends to let his emotions get the best of him. I wouldn't be like that, right? Oh, come on now. He's very reactionary, quick to speak, quick to anger, loyal to a fault. At one point, as Jesus is leading the disciples, he comes out to them walking on the water, something that I can't understand. And, and he comes walking out on the water to save them. And, and, and at first the disciples are afraid and, 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 then, and then Jesus is out there and they say, who is it? And he says, it's, it's I, Jesus. And, and then Peter gets this brilliant idea. I'm just going to go walking out to Jesus. Like, oh, that looks cool. I'm going to try that. And he says, can I? 
come up to you and, and Jesus said, yes, yes, come. And he, you remember what happens if you don't. What, what basically happens is Peter gets out of the boat. He walks across the water, only other guy than Jesus ever to walk on water. And, and he walks out to Jesus, but he looks around and he sees the storm, right? And he gets overcome with emotion, obviously. And he's like, what is going on? And he just starts to drown. And Jesus saves him. He brings him back into the boat. And he basically says, oh, you a little faith. That's not the only time this happens. He's soon in the garden to lose his temper and almost kill someone, probably intending to kill that person. That's Peter. Oh, we are, we are, in our frailty, in our complexity, we are like Thomas and like Peter. There's another guy in our story, it's Philip. We haven't got to him yet. We'll talk in the next few weeks about him, but he simply cannot accept by faith what Jesus is saying. And he really sums up what the disciples are thinking with what he says next in chapter 14. And, and I'll just kind of allude to it and we'll get more into it in the weeks to come. But basically what P Philip says is, is Lord, you, you got to show us more, man. I mean, you have to do something more than just what you're doing as if what he is doing and what he's saying, what he is saying is not enough. He just says, you have to show us the Father. You have to show us the face of God. Now, what he's really asking is to be in danger of death, okay? If you know anything from the scriptures, God is so holy that even being in his presence is, is dangerous. And he says, just show us the face of the Father and we'll understand. I would say he's likely the kind of person who just is never satisfied with the answer, right? I mean, this might not be you, but might be you at a certain time of your life. This might be you, or it might be a son or daughter, or it might be a friend of yours. Never satisfied with the answer that is given. The answer is uncomplicated. Yes, complex, and yet so obvious. But I have to dig more. In fact, I think I should complicate it. <laughs> because then I'll arrive at my own conclusion. See what I did there? And we do that. But here's the thing, and, and I guess the point I'm trying to get at. Faith is evidence of things we can't see. Do, do, do you understand? Like, that's what faith is. And that we all operate, live by faith. I mean all. I mean every single person on the planet who has ever lived. We all put our trust in something. That's why I kind of, I kind of laugh. And I don't mean like to scoff, but like at the thought that when someone utters the phrase, faith is a crutch and faith is silly, I just kind of laugh to myself like, what, what is going through your mind and what do you believe that draws you to a conclusion that it is a crutch? And then let's go from there. And what I mean by that is we should not be offended, nor do we need to be defensive when someone makes a comment like that, like, a well-known governor of the state of Minnesota. Do you remember that? We're all bent out of shape. Well, guess what? If you don't know him, you don't know him, and you don't know the way. We don't need to be defensive. We don't have to be shy that we live by faith and not by sight. Why can I even say that? I don't live in the distant past. I only live here and now in the present, and I don't see the future. 
Not even to mention, I don't know everything and neither do you. And neither does Jesse Ventura. Right? We all live by faith. And this is what Jesus is telling his disciples. Don't be afraid. Not only of what you're feeling or what you think will happen or of anyone else. How does Jesus answer the question? I've already answered this because it's obvious. I am. I am. I need to hear that again today. I am. First, this is one of the seven I am statements of Jesus. I am as a reference to the one and only Yahweh God. The name that could not even be uttered in the days of Jesus, for to even say it would dishonor Him. The great I am. The proclamation that God, as His presence is made known before Moses, tells Moses, Moses, when you go before Pharaoh and ask that the children of Israel, the people of Israel, be let go and be brought back to the promised land. Tell them that I am sent you. And that might seem perplexing, and it is to a certain point, but let me just say this. What God answers Moses when Moses says, I can't just go before Pharaoh, and I can't stand before him. I have, I, I have no right to do that or authority to do that. What authority do I go by? And what does God answer him? He says, I am. I am. And what he's really saying is, I be who I be. I am who I am. In other words, there are no words. I can't even explain to you in, in, in plain language who I am. And I don't have to answer to who I am. I am. And if you're more perplexed now, it's in part because I can't explain it very well. And because if I could explain it, I'd be God. No, really. I be who I be. God answers to no one. He is God. And yet, He is so merciful and so just and so loving. He has made a way. Why does Jesus make the statement here, I'm the way? Why didn't he just say, uh, Jesus, like our kids? Well, well, he's clarifying something. He's saying, I'm the way home. I'm the route. Let me illustrate it this way. How funny would it be if you were inviting someone over to your house and you gave them the wrong directions? Like, I mean, like someone's new and, and you invite them over and you're like, just to play a joke on them, I'm going to send them to the wrong house. So they bring their hot dish because it's in Minnesota and they walk up to the door and they knock and they're like, uh, what are you doing here? They're like, uh, you, who are you? I mean, how awkward would that be? How mean would that be, right? When I said this in the first service, someone came up to me and said one day they were just getting ready to start watching the Vikings game and someone knocked on their door and they're like, that's weird. And they came to the door and, and, um, and, and the person like decked out and, you know, full uniform basically was like, I'm here. And he's like, what are you here for? He said he almost walked into his house. And he's like, well, isn't this Joe's house or something? And he's like, No. <laughs> That would be awkward. Anyway, that is not what God is doing. 
That's not how God acts. That's not his character. We know the way home. This is what Jesus means in verse 2 when he says, In my Father's house are many rooms. He's got space for all his kids. If it were not so, would I have told you? Like, I'm not kidding. I'm not fooling. I, I don't play games. I actually do make clear what is very, very complex. Way here means route. Just as he called the disciples on the shores of the Sea of Galilee to come and follow him, he again tells them the path. He says, the path is with me. The difference is these last three years as you've been following me, you can see me with your eyes, you can touch me with your hands, you can smell me, you know, the whole thing. And as you've been walking with me and I've been teaching you, I've been preparing you for what comes next. The day in which I will leave you. Not leave you, leave you. Oh, my spirit will be with you. But the day that I go back to the Father and prepare you again a home. But in the meantime, I have a responsibility for you, church. To continue to follow me. Oh, I'll keep guiding you. But, but what will happen? Tell us what will happen next. No, no, you would ruin it. <laughs> keep following. Keep trusting. Understand that this is the only right path. Why? Well, you can't understand it all. But because I'm the only one. I am the only name under heaven that has ever come from heaven to earth and made way back to the Father. I am the only one who is worthy to conquer sin and death. I'm the only one who has taken your sins upon myself. I'm the only one who has risen from the grave and I declare to you that victory is only found in me because I am the only way to your home. It's what you've been missing. It's what you're homesick for. It's what you desire. And you know it. You know it. But I want you to follow. Follow me. You know what Jesus is talking about is uh, the deepest questions we have in life. Uh, what happens when we die? What, what about the spiritual world? Um, Lord, what is my purpose? And the simple answer is, it's me, Jesus. And yet there's so much more he wants us to grow and learn and know. But that requires obedience. And so he's calling each one of us to this place in his presence, made possible by only him, where he's offered to us his righteousness and his peace and his joy. And it's hard and confusing at times, and yet, and yet it's, it's obvious. And, and so I just want to remind you, church, and I want you to just in a way of responding to what's being said, I, I want you to just bow with me as I pray.
I want you to hear this from, I believe, uh, you know, the, the Lord, a message of encouragement, but also a message of challenge. So if you would just bow your heads with me, j- just so that there's not a lot of distractions. There, there's a lot going on in our days today, but, but let's just lay that aside for a moment and just acknowledge what Jesus is doing, what he can do, and what he, he wants to lead us in. And so I just want you with a, a bowed head and, and, and an open heart uh, just, just to hear these words that God loves you and he cares for you and in fact he has made a way from the very beginning and, and you know it in your heart and yet sometimes you recoil and, 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 and you press against it why? Be, because it's our very nature when sin entered the world it destroyed all of this relationship with God and God we acknowledge this We also acknowledge that you are the only way because sin doesn't just make us terrible people or or just not too bad a people, that sort of thing. Sin kills us. Sin sin only offers death. We're dead in our trespasses and sins. And, And so there's no way home without you. We're dead. And so, Lord Jesus, we acknowledge you as the only one who can make us alive. We surrender our hearts and our lives to you. Both the salvation work that you will do in and through us when we accept you, Jesus, as our personal Lord and Savior, and also the work that you're doing and willing each day of our lives. So Lord Jesus, we surrender that now to you as we respond in faith, trusting our lives to you. We pray this in your holy name. Amen.